So we are um, going to, actually it's going to be the last in our little series on the different uh, folks from the Bible, some different characters from the Bible, and uh, it's been a bit of a mini, little mini series really, but we are looking um, at the last one today. From next week, we, I think we're planning, I'm planning, um, to uh, look at the, the book of Revelation. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of a challenging one, hopefully an interesting one, um, and uh, we'll see how we, we get on with that. So from next week, we're going to be starting having a look in Revelation um, chapter 1 and just really see what God has added. And through it, hopefully, we'll just see something just of a greater revelation of Jesus. That's what it's about, primarily, but this greater revelation of who Jesus Christ is. So, um, so Father, I just want to just pray now, Lord, as we come to your word, that you would just help us, Lord, to be uh, hearers and doers. Father, just apply it to our hearts. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that what is said, Lord, would come from you. And Father, what is heard would be heard from you. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was about 13 years old at school, I decided that I didn't want to play rugby anymore. So I came up with a, another plan. And me and a friend decided that we would have a different game within a game. We decided we could go through an entire game without ever touching a rugby ball. <laughs> so it meant when the ball came our direction, we went the other direction. Now, actually, it was pretty effective. It was actually even more effective for nobody really wanting us on their team. And that feeling of lining up for teams to be picked and then being the last person left standing there is not that pleasant, even though, to be fair, I had absolutely nobody to blame but myself for it. Because nobody likes to be unpopular, nobody wants to have that feeling of not really being wanted. So the character I want to look at today from the Old Testament is the sort of character that nobody would really want to have on their team. Nobody really wanted this guy. His name was Jacob. We're going to look at the story, pick up the story of Jacob in Genesis chapter 28. You can turn there in a moment. He is the most unlikely of characters. In fact, he is a deceitful liar who has taken his brother's birthright. He has, he has, has taken his brother's blessing. He's done it by, tr by um, tricking and, and cheating an old blind man who, of course, is his father, now, this guy is something like 70 years old at this time. He really should have known better by this stage in his life, but he's never really grown up. He's a mummy's boy. In fact, his mummy seemed to do absolutely everything for him. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have a family. He's got no money. He's lazy. In fact, it doesn't seem that things are going to change very much, not in the near future. And I don't think he really cares. That's Jacob. But finally, his bad behavior has caught up with him, and he's on the run. He's scared of his brother. In fact, he's scared for his life. He thinks his brother's going to kill him, and he sets out on his own. For the very first time in his life, he is completely alone. I'm going to read Genesis 28. We're in verse 10. That's what the Bible says. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place, and he, stared, and he stayed there that night, because the sun had set. 
taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. So Jacob stops in that certain place. Now it's worth making a note. He basically just walks as far as he can until it gets dark and he stops. Okay, so there's nothing particularly special about this place. This is a random location. It is just an insignificant spot. He finds himself a comfortable stone to use as a pillow. I like a pretty firm pillow. I, I, I see what he's doing here. Looks, looks quite nice. His only plan that evening is to sleep. Nothing else. And what happens from that that what, what happens that evening is going to change this man's life forever. Because Jacob, he hasn't come seeking after God, but God is going to get his attention. In fact, God has come to him. And we have seen this, have we not, over and over again through the different people. We've looked at the different character stories from the Old Testament and New Testament, how God comes to his people. Abraham, God comes, God speaks to Abraham Gideon, remember him? He's hiding away. He doesn't want anybody near him. God comes to Gideon. You know the story of Jonah? God comes to Jonah in the most unlikely of places, in the belly of a fish. And what happens in this story from this point on in Jacob's story is all of God's initiation. Verse 12. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the point of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood, stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall be spread ab abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of this earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So as Jacob sleeps... He dreams. And he sees this picture, this sort of stairway, this ladder that is heading up to heaven from earth to heaven with angels ascending and descending from it. And he hears God's voice. And this is not only significant because both Led Zeppelin and you two sang about it. Gives a certain amount of street cred. Yeah? But actually, it's a reminder to us that there's more to life than just the physical things that we see around us. You know, we can get so caught up in the here and now and, and all the, the routine and details of life that we can sometimes forget about the fact that there are spiritual realms and powers that exist way beyond the physical things that we see, and they are just as real as the physical things that we can touch and see and hear. And there are angels, angelic hosts. That's what what Jacob saw going up and down this ladder. Now, often they are rarely visible, but we see throughout Scripture how these angelic um, angels, they, they, how they appear at different times throughout Scripture. Even today, folks have seen angels. They are real. They do exist. 
It's also worth noting that not every spiritual being is necessarily from God. They're angels of light, but they're also demons and demonic forces of evil. And there's a battle going on, a battle going on over, over your life, over your family, over our church, over our city. In fact, we don't need to look very far or even, even to, to be around church very long to realize that we are in spiritual warfare. There is a battle going on in the heavenlies, the angelic forces of God versus the demonic forces of evil. And this is real. This is real stuff. I also believe that God still speaks to us today through dreams, through visions, through prophecies. I can be confident because actually that's what the scripture says. It says in Acts chapter 2 verse 17, in fact, it's actually taken from an Old Testament book, from the book of Joel, and it says, in the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. But once again, not every dream is necessarily from God. That's why we need to always weigh everything up very carefully as, we, as stuff comes to us. We, 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 we weigh it up in, in connection with what does the Bible say? What does the Scripture say? First Thessalonians chapter 5, 21, it says, Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. There's always this need for discernment. To ask the question, is this from God? Is God speaking to this? You know what? If a dream or a vision, if it appears too cryptic, if you can't work out quite why the pink elephant wants to talk to the blue kangaroo, it's probably not from God. My advice is stay off the spicy food. Okay, we, we wear it up. We, you know, and when God speaks to you, you should know it's God who's speaking. He's not a God of confusion. He's not trying to sort of put little puzzles in to try and make things difficult for you. Look, if you have a dream that's from God, you should remember that dream. If a vision's from God, you should remember the vision and actually have an idea of what it's about. And maybe you need to pray into it, but it should be reasonably clear. If it's that hard to work out, the chances are it may not be. It most likely isn't from God. God is a God of order. And there are two extremes that exist within life. Either we look at all the spiritual stuff and, the, and, and um, spiritual warfare and all of that sort of stuff, and we, we just become so over-spiritualizing everything, and we see demons under every single table, and everything is just weird and funny. Or we go the other way, and we just ignore anything that is above, that is beyond the normal. And both those extremes are completely wrong within life. There needs to be balance in how we see things. We need to have a healthy understanding, a biblical understanding of spiritual warfare, that these things are real, but actually most importantly, that our God is so much greater and stronger that in him we have the victory. Jacob's vision was just so intense. In fact, you, you got to love the picture that just that he saw. Maybe even long to see something. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great just to have that sort of vision of 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 what Jacob was able to see in that particular moment to experience what he saw? And I want to just share two thoughts on Jacob's ladder. The first is this: if the only thing in that picture that you see is the ladder 
and the angels, you've missed out on the real thing. See, most importantly, Jacob encountered God. Because the thing that's going to change your life is not a dream, it's not a vision, it's not some sort of experience or some sort of um, physical manifestation. No matter how impressive, how wonderful that may be, it is an encounter with the living God. And your focus needs to be on God the giver, not on the gifts. And this is key. We need to focus on God who gives, not on the gifts. Only an encounter with Jesus is going to transform your life. He is the only sure foundation that you can really build on. You chase after anything else or anyone else or any, anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ is never, ever going to be enough. No matter how impressive that gift may be, no matter how amazing that experience might, might be, it is not a foundation on which you can build upon. Only Jesus is the rock that cannot be shaken. It is only an encounter with him. And as you encounter him, you will discover that he will give you way more than anything you could ever expect. He never leaves you short. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. What is that power? That power is a person. That power is the Holy Spirit at work within your life, and He exceeds your expectations every time. And we see exactly this as God's Word comes to Jacob. See, as God speaks, he speaks blessing, not just to this man, but he speaks it to his family. In fact, he speaks it to the whole world. In verse 14, God says, through your offspring will all the families of this earth be blessed. In fact, it's the same promise that was given, first of all, back at the very beginning of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 14, remember Adam and Eve, they sinned against God. They ate the fruit they should never have eaten because God said no. But they chose to believe a lie, the lie of Satan, rather than the truth of God. And as they sinned and brought sin into this world, right there in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 14, it tells us how Scripture begins to point towards a solution. And through a covenantial blessing, through a promise from God, and listen, God always keeps his promises. Hope you know that. God never lies. Through a promise that began with Abraham, that was passed on to Isaac, ultimately came to this man, Jacob. In fact, this line will one day lead through to Jesus Christ himself. But is it not amazing that out of all the people alive in that world at that particular moment, that God chooses to use a liar and a cheat. <laughs> a guy called Jacob. And I'm thinking, if God can use Jacob, perhaps he can use me. Perhaps he will use you. The second thought about Jacob's ladder and Jacob's dream, this ladder with one end touching earth and the other end reaching up into heaven. It's a mighty long ladder. That's not the point, by the way, but it was, must have been a long ladder. The picture is of how God connects with his people. 
And the one thing that separates Christianity from perhaps all other world religions is that God came down to His people. God identifies with us. He chose to reveal Himself in Christ. In all other religions, you've got to climb up the ladder. You've got to try and work a little bit harder. You've got to do something. You've got to be a better person. You've got to just make some sort of effort to be there. But Jesus came down from heaven to earth for you. In fact, he walked the streets of this world. He faced every single challenge that you faced. He faced every, every level of suffering and so much more. He faced every temptation. He faced every single difficulty that each one of you will face. And he did it perfectly, without sin. And Jesus comes to where you're at right now. And he knows all about it because he's been there. He came close. He came near. When I was three years old, so I'm told, me and my twin brother were playing in the garden. I know I've told this story before probably, so apologize if you heard it before. But um, we were playing in this sort of walled area just in, outside uh, in, on the edge of our house. And my parents are working in the office doing some, some paperwork. After sort of five, ten minutes, things go very quiet. Now, my mum tells me when things went quiet, that's when she got started to panic. When there's lots of noise around, okay, quietness was never good with twin boys. So, anyway, she came out to see what we're getting up to, and she could not see us anywhere. She ran into the house to check upstairs. Maybe we had slipped past her. We hadn't. She went down the lane to see if we'd gone to the, maybe down to the main road, couldn't see us, into the farmyard. Dad ran into the farmyard to check various places, could not find us anywhere. By this stage, they're getting, starting to get seriously panicky. They jump into the car. They begin to drive around the roads. 20 minutes go past, 30 minutes, and then they eventually see two little blue anoraks bobbing up and down in a field. And we have somehow managed to climb over a four-foot wall um, through two fields, through a number of barbed wire fences, over a main road into another field, and we're just simply chasing calves around in circles. We are having the time of our lives. We don't even know we're lost, to be honest. But my parents never stop looking for me, or at least that's what they've told me. They never thought for a moment that, you know what, there's plenty more of those kids around, I'm sure we can, no, they, they, it never even entered, they kept looking and searching, their love for us ensured that they find us. The story of Jacob is a story about a loving heavenly father who keeps looking and searching until he finds you. He does not give up on you until you hear his call. He won't give up on you until you're safe within his arms. And listen, even in those times when you run away and when you disobey, his love still reaches down to you. It's a wonder of God's grace and love. And we must never lose sight of this. All that we have received from God is a gift. He seeks you out. He calls you. He chose you. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
And before you were born, I consecrated you. And from that very first moment that the Holy Spirit began to work within your life and you were convicted of sin, from that first moment you met Jesus and invited him into your heart, your encounter with Jesus was because he drew you, he called you. He knew you before the beginning of this world and Jesus graciously comes to you even though you don't deserve it. He meets you despite of your sin. He pours out his spirit. He fills you with his spiritual gifts, not because we've done anything to earn it, but because of his grace and his love in our lives. And you know what? We may feel we can identify with Jacob all too easily. Perhaps we feel worthless. We feel alone in the world. We feel we've got nothing to offer but there is always hope in Jesus. There's always hope in Jesus because it's not about you or what you've done or what you will do. It's about what Jesus Christ has done for each one of us on the cross and what his spirit can do through you as you surrender your life over to him. Verse 16. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and he set it up as a as a, as a pillar, not a pillow, a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel. So as Jacob wakes up, everything looks different to him. This insignificant, innocent campsite becomes awesome. This is a place where heaven has met earth, and God takes what is insignificant and he makes it significant. He takes a man who is a waste, who is a lost cause, who, seem, who, who seems to have no potential, and he sees the potential within him. And God looks on you with all of your faults and your insecurities and your bad habits and your feelings, and he sees the potential in you. He sees you as a great man, as a great woman. But this takes time. We haven't time to go through the rest of the story of Jacob, but Jacob does go and find a job. He works for seven years. Things don't go quite as he plans. He ends up working for another seven years. And all that time, God is working on his character. God is building into this man the potential that he has seen in him in this moment. It takes 14 years and probably a lot longer for that ever to come to pass. We need to be patient as God, by his grace, works within our lives. But this moment for Jacob is significant. It's a marker of great significance within his life. In fact, it's so important for Jacob that he renames this place. He calls it Bethel, the house of God. And for you, your Bethel, it may be your garden, maybe your kitchen, 
maybe your office, maybe your bedroom, it, it may be this church, it, it, it may be perhaps the side, a hillside somewhere or a mountain, it may be along the banks of a, of a river, but it's a place where you've met with God. It may be that place where you first give your life to Jesus, where you first became a Christian or where you were filled or baptized when the Holy, with the Holy Spirit. For some of you, it may be right here this morning. But listen, it is so important that we put those markers down within our lives. We put those Bethel's moments and mark them within our lives. Those moments that record those times when God speaks to us, significant moments within your life that just change your future. We don't do it superstitiously, but it's so important that we do it. One of the places that I love to go is up along, just along the sandstone trail. I've gone there for, for years, as long as I've lived in, in, in Cheshire. Sometimes I will just go there just to hear from God. If I want to really hear from God, that's where I'll take myself off to, sometimes with a Bible and a notebook and a pen. Sometimes I just go running along the trails or walking and I'm just praying at the same time. And those places have become, in a sense, the house of God for me. There's nothing special about them except that God has spoken to me there. Am I going to start taking pilgrimages up there? Of course I'm not. These are places that other people just walk past and ignore. These are trees that dogs weigh up against. There's nothing particularly special in essence about these places, but they are significant because they are reminders that God is at work within my life. And it's so important that you mark those Bethels, those markers, those places where God has spoken to you. So when difficulties come, when challenges come, when, when life gets really tough, when doubts begin to come, you go there and you realize that you're Life is resting in God's hands. And you view your future differently because of the markers that God has put within your life. And Jacob, he's learned a lot that night. When God breaks into a life by his spirit, he just changes it. And the God of his parents is now his God. This has become personal you know, you cannot live under somebody else's experience or somebody else's faith. In fact, you can't live under somebody else's anointing. You need to know God for yourself. The question is how? How can I know God? How can I know God's forgiveness in my life and put it a different way, in Jacob's way? Where is the ladder? In John chapter 1, verse 51, Jesus is asked the question, who are you? Listen to his answer. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Sound familiar? Hope so. This is Jacob's ladder. And Jesus here, he's saying, he's saying, I am the ladder. And what do you have to do? Well, you don't have to give money. You don't need to go to, to a special place. In fact, you don't even need to come to church or anywhere else. You need to know Jesus. You need to meet with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way to God. And Paul says there's only one mediator between God and man, Jesus. 
And because of your sin, you are separated from God. There's a barrier that exists that you will never be able to break down, but Jesus has done it. And Jesus came down from heaven to earth for you. And God in Jesus humbled himself. He became a man. And through his death and through his resurrection, there is hope. He is the ladder. He is the way to God. You don't need to work hard, but you do need to repent earnestly to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. And you go to Jesus with your sin. He gives you his forgiveness and he takes away your sin. In fact, he gives you the peace of God. There's reconciliation and forgiveness only through Jesus. And he calls you because he loves you. Because he loves you. How will you respond to him? The right response is to give him your life, to give him everything, to give him all that you have in surrender, in obedience to his call, to his love, to his mercy and grace. Verse 20, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothes to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a full I will give a full tenth to you. See when Jacob encounters God it completely changes the direction of his life. And that's what an encounter with God does. It sometimes takes on a completely different path. And he begins to pray. Now this is not the best prayer in the world, okay? He's still got a lot to learn. He's, his old habits do die hard and he begins he really wants just to bargain with God. But at least he starts by coming to God and praying. In fact, prayers that start with the word if probably aren't the best plan in the world. God, if you help me, well then I'm going to help you. It doesn't work like that, unfortunately. But you've got to love Jacob, haven't you? Bless me with lots of money and God, you'll get your cut. 10% off the top, no problem. And we laugh, but how often do we do exactly the same thing? We think we can bargain with God. We can do a deal with, with him. And the God of everything, who owns everything, is not dependent on our handouts. He can't be bargained with. But listen, there is hope for all of us here because God is mercifully patient. And I, for one, am so thankful. And God, in his love, in his mercy, takes us with our failings and our weaknesses. And he loves us and he nurtures us and he shapes us into the people that he wants us to be, that he sees us as already. In the process of sanctification, this process of growing more and more like Jesus are small steps of grace.
And the one who saved you, he will keep you. And I would suggest that for most of us, we can identify with Jacob all too easily at some level or other. He was unimportant, insignificant, quite arrogant, but strong-willed, very unsure of what God wanted him to do. But this story is just another reminder that if God can use Jacob, he can use you too. As we make ourselves available to him. Let's just stand and pray. Father, we do thank you for, Lord, just your word and for the scripture, Lord, just for these wonderful stories that just, Lord, sometimes just give us hope. <laughs> Father, that you are at work in our lives. And thank you, Lord, that you take us on a path that, Lord, we don't always know the next step, but, Lord, we know that you are in control. And so, Father, we just want to pray, Lord, as we started this service, Lord, as we prayed that we would follow you, that we would keep our eyes on you, that we would follow the cloud, the fire of God. We wouldn't look to the left or to the right, but look to you, Lord. I pray that again, Lord, that we keep our eyes on you, Lord Jesus. And Father, I pray, Lord, for what has been said. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just apply it to our hearts, Lord, what has been from you. And Lord, you'd help us to keep seeking after you with all that we are and all that we are. Father, we just give you glory for what you're doing. And Lord, we stand here just in surrender to you. And Lord, we pray, have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.